Welcome to Parramatta Baptist Church. My name's Steve Bates. And I'm Kathy Bates. That's why we're sitting so close. It's really good that you've joined us today for this service. Really good to have you here. We're conscious that for many of us, if not all of us, the last few weeks have meant that we've lost a lot of our rhythm in life, that the things that we would usually do no longer are happening, and we've had to find a new routine. Yeah, that's certainly been the case for, for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big changes in routine for me is that although our days are still really full, our nights are really different. Um, so we would normally be at meetings for at least three nights a week. Um, but for the most part, um, we've had a lot more evenings where we get to choose what we'll do. Uh, for me, a really easy option would be to watch a new TV series or to read a good book. Um, but I've had a real desire and conviction to use this time well. And just knowing how I'm wired, I know that um, once I start watching a, a new series or reading a book, that I can get a little bit addicted. Mm. And, um, and I'm really... Excuse me? <laughs> well, I do lose you when you pick up a new book. Yeah, look, and it is true. Like, I, I really do need to know how the story will resolve. Um, and so in, in wanting to um, use this time well, um, we've just made better choices, I think. We, we've exercised after dinner, gone for a walk, um, played a game. And when we have chosen to watch TV, we've jumped on board with um, heritage um, films. They've, they've, they've um, chosen to release like a number of Christian stories, um, movies over this, this time. And so we've watched um, so far just two really profound stories of um, transformation based on, on true stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one I really loved was Loud Crazy Love. Now, I am not a heavy metal fan by any means. I much prefer the ballet, as some of you know. But, uh, like, just such a profound story. Um, yeah, transformation. Really good movie. Yeah, absolutely. So Philippians um, 4 verse 8 says, um, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so I'm trying to make the most of this time um, just by making really deliberate choices in what I allow my mind to fix on. So what about the change in routine for you, Steve? Yeah, uh, the change in routine for me has been, without being out so many nights, uh, I'm getting to bed earlier, which means I'm getting up earlier as well. And I've really enjoyed having that extra hour to, to centre myself in God and to actually make the most of that time. So just getting up and, and reading God's Word, spending more time in prayer, and certainly spending a lot of time journaling as well, just trying to capture some of the things that I sense God has been saying to me. So I found that really helpful. Um, and, yeah, really significant for my own spiritual journey over these past few weeks. As we approach today, uh, we continue in our series on Centering in God, actually making our lives focused around Him uh, and His purposes. Uh, I'd just love for us to start today with this sense of thankfulness, of being thankful for all that God has done and given us. Paul's words to the church in Ephesus can be our words. He writes, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that just a beautiful encouragement for us as we come to this time of worship to give thanks to God for everything in this season? in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we are going to share in communion. Uh, and as part of our giving thanks and our, um, our worship of God is also our offering. And I know most of us are now doing that online. And uh, we really appreciate the way uh, that your expression of worship uh, involves that as well. So let for your age. Uh, so I just encourage you now to gather what you need um, and join back with us. For me, there's always something really moving when we share communion together and we're all remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made. It's a holy moment. Last Saturday on Anzac Day, our immediate neighbours made a commitment that we would gather at our letterboxes with a candle at 6am to remember the sacrifice of our veterans. And the last post um, was played on the radio from across the road and tears streamed down our faces. And I was just reminded of how precious and how significant it is when we pause to remember sacrifice, even if we can't be together physically. As we share the Lord's Supper together right now, it's a holy moment as we remember Jesus' sacrifice together. Though physically distanced, we're we're very much united by Christ and what he did when his body was broken and his blood was shed. Luke records what happened on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus gathers with his disciples and they share in a meal together. And Jesus takes these two elements, the bread and the cup, as part of the meal and he speaks to his disciples about them. Luke records that Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so, Father, as we share in these two simple elements, the bread and the cup, we come with hearts that are thankful for your love for us, a love that would give your only son in our place. And so, Lord, we thank you, we worship you. And Jesus Christ, we remember your sacrifice for us, how you became sin for us, that we might have eternal life. We are reminded, God, of your goodness and your greatness in the way which you've given yourself to us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this in his name. Amen. Welcome everyone, delighted to have you with us. Uh, my name's Travis, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, uh, and it's my honour, it's, it's always my honour to be able to open up the word with you today, and I really trust that God's going to be able to speak to you wherever you are. But I wonder, have you ever had one of those experiences in your life or in your walk with God where you just realised, I need to pay attention to this? Uh, you know, maybe you had an experience of God, an encounter, some sort of uh, revelation of God's kindness uh, towards you, and you thought, man, I need to remember this. Uh, maybe you even journaled it and wrote it down, wanting to preserve that memory because you know it would come in handy in the future again. 
Uh, well, in today's passage that we're looking at, God specifically commands Moses to write something down as to remember it. This is uh, Exodus uh, 17, uh, verse uh, 14. And the Lord says to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Uh, and in the Hebrew, that's a, a lovely turn of phrase. You know, make sure to put this in the ears of Joshua. And it's like God is saying to Moses uh, and the people, pay attention to what just happened. Understand what this speaks about me, your God, uh, and the testimony that you have from today. You want to preserve that and you want to keep that with you because you're going to continue to need this uh, into the future. Which makes a lot of sense if you know the story, which we'll get to in a second. Because this is not the last time that Israel, the people of God, are going to need to trust God. That they're going to need to rely on Him. That they're going to need to act and to believe and to pray like God is with them. That God is for them. So, if you have your Bibles, really love it. If you uh, open them up with me, we are in Exodus uh, chapter 17 uh, today. Uh, For the last two weeks, we've been looking at some of the names of God uh, throughout Scripture. Uh, And today, we're uh, looking not at the name of God, but actually the name of an altar that was built to commemorate something about God uh, that we need to remember, just like the people uh, in Exodus as well. And so, we're going to pick up the story in verse 8. And so, we read, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Uh, Now that's only nine words in our Bibles, but how huge would that have been for this group of people? Uh, Context is key here as it always is in the scriptures. Uh, And if you just turn the pages of your Bibles back, even a few to the left, you quickly realize that this group of people, man, they're fresh out of slavery in Egypt, centuries of slavery in Egypt. It means that each one of them, all they've ever known is being a slave. All their parents have ever known, their grandparents, their great-grandparents have ever known uh, is slavery. And they find themselves for the first time in centuries without human masters. And it's not because they negotiated their way out or were clever or rose up with military might and fought their way free. No, the only reason that they are free is because of their God in his loving kindness supernaturally intervened and delivered them. And so they find themselves in Exodus 17 with a fight on their hands for which they are completely inexperienced, unprepared and ill-equipped for. They didn't go looking for this fight, they don't want this fight and yet this fight has found them. And it actually stands between where they are and where God is leading them. You see, God has led them out of Egypt um, with this guidance, with this direction. They are to worship him, come and worship him on this holy mountain, which uh, we'll read about just in the next couple of chapters, where God will renew his covenant with them. It's this sacred moment where he speaks over them that they are his chosen people, this treasured possession, and yet they're stuck here at Rephidim in chapter 17 with this fight on their hands. Now, of course, we need to realize that this is biblical history, first and foremost. And so when it comes to reading it as a modern day reader, we need to think through, well, what are some of the principles that are at play here for how God has interacted with his people over the centuries? What can we learn from that? And I also think anytime there's a story in the scripture, we're invited to see ourselves in that story, to feel what they felt to experience God as they experienced him and then to glean for ourselves what that might mean for our lives and the way that we love and 
of worship and trust in our great God. You see, it's been the experience of my life and in observing the lives of many others that we often find ourselves fighting things that we wouldn't have chosen. Those things that seem to stand between where we are right now and where we have a sense that God is calling us or how God is calling us to live. And these things, these Amalekites, so to speak, are prop up in our lives all the time. It could be unwelcome doubts. It could be addiction, some of that old self stuff. Uh, It could be conflicts or circumstances or just that inability to shake some things that people have spoken over us in the past. And when we do, we uh, find ourselves astonishingly like the Israelites here, unprepared, inexperienced, ill-equipped, feeling like our way of life is being threatened, that we are being put to the test. Maybe even that our trust in God is being put to the test and maybe we even find ourselves asking the same question that Israel were just a few verses earlier. Is God even with me or not? And in light of that, I just want to give you a chance right now to actually think through and name what is that in your life right now? What is your Amalekite army, so to speak? The thing that stands between where you are right now and where you know God is calling you or how God is calling you to live. What is that thing? Just spend a moment now and name it. In the valley, I know that you're with me. Surely your goodness and your mercy follow me. My weapons of praise and thanksgiving And this is how I fight my battles So for Israel at Rephidim, they're not going to be able to move unhindered towards the plans and the purposes that God has for them until they face this foe. Just like in our own lives, we're not going to be able to step into the fullness of what God would have for us while there are still those things unfaced in our lives. And so we read in verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. That's action. And tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. That's prayer. So if you're after the preaching soundbite for this part of the message, it's this that when desperation meets faith, courageous action bathed in costly prayer springs forth. Courageous action bathed in costly prayer. This is how we fight our battles. We fight knowing and believing and trusting that our God is with us and that our God is for us. That anything that would come against to subvert his good plans and purposes for us is not stronger or greater or more powerful than him who is our sovereign creator God. We fight knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord and that we don't fight against flesh and blood alone, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So we put on the full armor of God that we might take our stand. Uh, So that thing that you named in your life just a moment ago, I want you to pause to reconsider that in light of all that I've just said. That if God is for you, 
who can be against? Well, all that considered, I still think it would have been a pretty rough night's sleep for Moses and Joshua and the people of God in Exodus chapter 17. I don't know what your experience is like going to bed, knowing that the next day there's something really hard that you have to face, but you tend not to get a great night's sleep, do you? Uh, But to their credit, when the day dawns, they don't back away from the fight. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Uh, So Moses doesn't go to the top of the hill just to get a really good view of the battle so that he can direct it from up there. He doesn't take Hur and Aaron as his military advisors or military strategists, nor as those people who are going to kind of run his instruction down to those who are on the battlefield. Joshua is in command on the battlefield. Moses goes up the hill to pray to intercede over the battle and over the people. Now, he knows that they are inexperienced, unprepared and ill-equipped for this fight and that if anything is going to happen, uh, God is going to have to come through and win the day. And so with the staff that was instrumental in that kind of power confrontation with Pharaoh, uh, Moses raises it to heaven and he starts to pray over the people. Can you imagine what Moses must have felt as he walked up that hill and started praying. Uh, We have to remember just the the level of personal responsibility he must have felt for these people. I mean, he's taking his family with him. There is his friends down there. And as he prays, he can see and hear the sounds of battle. Uh, It's not a soccer match going on down there. People are losing their lives. And so imagine the agony of not being able to physically hold up your hands and pray for a second longer but not being emotionally able to not pray and to stop and to pause because every time you do, the battle swings the Amalekites' way. I don't know if I've ever prayed like this, prayed with such desperation and courage and commitment as if life and death hung in the balance. But what we see, of course, is that prayer changes the course of this fight the Lord was with them, that the battle belonged to him. And so prayer was key. You know, I've just started up with a a new mentor in my life. And one of the things that he actually spoke to me last time we met was that his commitment was to pray for me in a way that costs, in a way that wasn't convenient or trivial, but actually cost him time and emotion and energy. And I love that. Like, Do you know how reassuring it is to know that there's somebody on the hill up there who is praying over me and for me and for my ministry? Such a great blessing. And so this message is supposed to be about God, not about us. But I do recognize that all of us can be this for others. When we're aware that people are going through something or or fighting something or, or, or battling whatever it may be that's between them and where God wants them to be, Like we can take up that position of Moses in their life uh, to intercede over and on behalf of them. But don't forget, we can also be the hers and the Aaron's for others as well. When we look left and right and we see our brothers and sisters who are maybe doing a really good work, but just, man, they're finding it hard to keep going. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we can come alongside them, um, pull up the metaphorical stone for them to to sit down on and help hold their hands up so they might continue uh, to do that great work that God has for them. And that's so important, isn't it? Because this is how we fight our battles. 
we act and we pray, trusting and believing that God is with us and for us, and that we do that in community with each other. So it was that courageous action and costly prayer and a God who was with them won the day. Uh, And so we read, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You know, this is the lesson that Israel learns this day. That God hadn't called them to go and worship him at Mount Sinai only for them to never make it past Rephidim. That God hadn't led them out of slavery in Egypt for them to then die at the hands of the Amalekites. God hadn't miraculously provided for their physical needs of food and water to not then provide for their safety. God was with them. God was for them. And the plans and purposes he had for them would come to pass. And isn't that so true of, of us as well? The God who has rescued us and delivered us from the greatest of our enemies, sin and death, he's not going to forsake us in whatever current season of life we're experiencing. Jesus, who promised us life in all its abundance, he's not going to leave us to be slaves, become slaves again by that which he has already broken the power of. God is with you. He is for you. And the plans and purposes he has for you will come to pass. So write this down as something to be remembered. You know, I asked you at the beginning if there had been times in your life that you can remember where God has been faithful, where he's proven himself to be a God who is with you and who is acting on your behalf to lead you into life. I know for myself I have a beautiful collection of stories, of testimonies of God's kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness to me that I've collected over the years. And they kind of act almost like these pillars of strength for me that I can return to when I feel shaky or whether I feel tested or whether I'm filled with doubts, even where I'm wrestling with those questions of God, where are you in all this? Are you with me or not? I can return to these pillars, these testimonies, these stories and remember this is who God has been in my life and this is who he will continue to be in my life. And it assures me and it reassures me. And it also encourages me to step into this place of courageous action and costly prayer because I have faith and I trust that he is with me. The passage ends by Moses doing what God had commanded and writing this down so as to remember it for the future. But he also does one other thing. He builds an altar. Uh, Altar is a place of prayer and praise and worship and sacrifice. And he builds it to commemorate the victory that they've just won as a people. And you'll notice that Moses doesn't build the altar to Joshua, who led the people. Uh, He doesn't build it to her and Aaron, who are instrumental in lending their strength to his prayers. He doesn't build an altar to the staff that was in his hand as he prayed. No, no, he builds an altar and calls it, The Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Now, in these days, when a people went into battle, they would fly banners above them. These whopping great big things that were unmistakable that you could see uh, from a mile off. Uh, The idea was kind of a little bit for king and country, the way we would use a flag in world wars or things like that. Uh, But back then, what they would put on their banners uh, was a depiction of their gods. Uh, And it spoke of allegiance, that we belong to this god, that he or she or it, uh, they uh, are our gods. And we go into battle in their strength, with their strength. They are the power behind us. 
And if a people were victorious in a battle, then they would raise the banner over their defeated foe or their newly acquired、uh, city or territory. And what it was, it was this really clear depiction. Actually, God won the day today. He gets the victory, and this land now belongs to Him. That is, He gets all the glory. And so Moses raises the banner, so to speak,、uh, over the people of God to say, "It is Yahweh, Nissi, the Lord, our banner, who has been with us this day. The victory belongs to Him. The battle belonged to Him. We are His, and we trust Him, and all glory goes to Him." You know, as I read this. I feel that we're called to the same today, not to write on a scroll or to build an altar, but to raise high the banner of God over our lives, to recognise that He is with us and that we are His, that we belong to Him. You know, the Israelites have this lovely thing spoken over them by God in chapter nineteen, where He says that you are my chosen people, my treasured possession. And yet, for those who have found faith in Jesus, God speaks a similar thing over us, doesn't He? This is one Peter one. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You know, Peter reminds us that we also have this powerful testimony of God's deliverance in our lives that we can trust, that we can actually build our lives on. Because once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. God with us, God for us, God leading us into the fullness of His plans and His purposes for each of us. You know, I don't know exactly where this message will land for you today. I don't know what it is that you are wrestling through or struggling with. I don't know what exactly is that thing for you right now that stands between where you are and where you sense God is leading you. But know this: God is with you. He is the banner over your life, and that which He has called you into, He will lead you into. That's not to say it'll be easy. I mean, Joshua and the people were down there all day in battle, swinging weapons, but God was with them. And God was going to be true to His word, and He was going to see His promises through. We're really glad that you've been able to join us today. I trust that you've been encouraged and strengthened by what you've heard, and especially by Travis's sermon on centering ourselves in our unchanging God. On our website, you'll find some discussion questions coming out of the sermon and the passages that were spoken from. Um, so feel free to find those and、uh, discuss them、uh, with a friend or as a family, or if you'd like to be part of a small group of people to discuss them, be in contact with us and see, we'll see what we can arrange. We love hearing from you, and we love trying to stay in contact with as many of you as possible. The best ways to do that are via our website,、um, paramatabaptist.com. We also have a Facebook page that you can have a look at. Uh, and every week we send out our newsletter on our Fridays. So if you'd like to subscribe to our e-newsletter,、uh, please just let us know. And again, if you have any questions or if you would like just to make contact with us, please do so. God bless and have a great week.